This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. morning and happy new year. I'm Jane Pauley and this is Sunday morning. Today is largely a Sunday morning of remembrance, beginning with yesterday's passing of Pope Benedict XVI. He was actually Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, who died at the age of 95. You may recall his decision to step down in 2013, the first pope to do so in some 600 years. For the almost 10 years that followed, Benedict lived peacefully in a monastery at the Vatican Gardens, increasingly frail as the years passed. We begin with a remembrance from our Seth Doan in Rome. For nearly a decade, there were two men in white at the Vatican. Was it difficult as as a church to have two popes at the same time? I think uh, Benedict was able to make it work because he was so willing to move back out of the limelight and, and live a life that was really monastic at the end. He was very good about not overshadowing Pope Francis. A papal passing and a complex legacy coming up 
this Sunday morning. As you've probably heard, we've lost a legendary broadcaster. The great Barbara Walters passed away Friday at age 93. We'll also be remembering her this morning with some colleagues who knew her well, Sam Donaldson and our own Ted Koppel. Barbara came up through the school of hard knocks. When she began on the Today Show, things could hardly have been much tougher for her. Men made the rules in those early days of television. When I was first on the Today Show, I was hired as a writer. I was only allowed to write for the women. But Barbara Walters was a force to be reckoned with. A journalist through and through, tough, serious, competitive. I said to her later, Barbara, I thought we were friends. She said, yes, we're friends, but I needed that interview. This Sunday morning, friends remembering a friend, a fond look back at the one-of-a-kind career of Barbara Walters. We can't leave the old year behind without saying hail and farewell to so many others we lost during the 12 months just past. Lee Cowan does the honors. Ladies and gentlemen, the first lady of country music, Loretta Lynn. From country music queens to silver screen luminaries. Off you get, no room for passengers now. I was insightful, I was witty. Meryl Streep will play me in the movie. To those who filled our lives with laughter. Later, a Sunday morning tradition. We bid a fond hail and farewell to some of those who left us this past year. We'll also be taking some time to look forward. We've asked some of our CBS News colleagues around the world to give us a sense of what could lie ahead in the year 2023. And as we ring in the new, all through the morning, we'll look back at some of the past year's best in movies, music, books, and more. It's the first Sunday morning of this new year, January 1st, 2023. And we'll be back in a moment. It happened yesterday. The death of Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI. He was the first German pope in a thousand years. In many ways, a guardian of Vatican traditions, he was a respected Catholic theologian, a professor, and he played the piano. By his own admission, a weak leader who struggled with the formidable Vatican bureaucracy. Seth Doan is in Rome. A scholar, academic, and fierce defender of the faith, he was conservative to the core. But this most orthodox of popes did the most unorthodox thing when he became the first pontiff in 600 years to resign. Burying a retired pope is also unprecedented in modern times. Saturday evening, the current pope, Francis, paid tribute, calling Benedict XVI a noble, kind man who was a gift to the world. When Benedict retired in 2013, he acknowledged in Latin that the strains of duty had become too much. He was stepping down as the church was rattled by sex abuse and corruption scandals. You think of 
Pope Benedict as such a conservative, but in resigning, it was a, it was a revolutionary thing. It was a pretty progressive thing to do. In some ways, he was very much in line with this idea of modernizing the church. I think it reflects his attention to the fact that we're in a contemporary age. You know, in, before the modern age, popes didn't live so long. Oh, Father Mark still. Lewis is an American Jesuit priest and rector of the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. I think one of the things that's fascinating is he's one of the few popes who wrote books during his papacy. So he did three volumes in Jesus Christ. And what's really interesting about those books is he didn't write them as Pope Benedict. He wrote them as, as Joseph Ratzinger. Born in 1927, Joseph Ratzinger was the son of a policeman and a cook growing up in a small Bavarian town in Germany. He joined the Hitler Youth, as was compulsory, and later was conscripted into the German army. He'd wind up deserting and turned to religion, rising through the ranks of the church. As cardinal, he ran the organization charged with defending church doctrine and developed a reputation as a strict conservative. Maintaining those hardline views as Pope, he strongly opposed gay marriage and the ordination of women. And in 2009, he caused an uproar by dismissing condoms as a way to prevent AIDS. While Benedict was also criticized for not taking action against bishops who ignored or covered up clerical sex abuse, he was the first Pope to publicly meet victims of abuse, and he apologized. As Pope, he was credited with reaching out to other faiths, including Judaism. He was a linguist, a bookworm, and a pianist who loved Mozart's music. News of the former Pope's death came as we were speaking with Father Lewis Saturday morning. I think he was a very gentle man, and I think he tended to, to listen to people and talk very, very much from the heart. That first point is theology. Yeah? Bad news. What? Pope died. The Pope just died? Wow. Wow. What does that mean for you? Well, I think in a way we're sort of fortunate that we had at least a few days of preparation. Um, it also gives us a chance to really reflect on that legacy, on, on, on what he gave to the church and, and that example of resignation and living a, a life of, of isolation in his last years. The last pontiff to resign was Pope Gregory XII. That was 1415, and he moved hundreds of miles from Rome. But Benedict stayed close, calling himself Pope Emeritus and living in a monastery set in the sprawling Vatican Gardens. Was it difficult as a church to have two popes, a former pope and a, and a living pope at the same time? I think uh, Benedict was able to make it work because he was so willing to move back out of the limelight. He was very good about not overshadowing Pope Francis. I think Francis saw him as, a, as someone he could consult with and maybe the only person in the world who knew what he was going through. Pope Francis will preside over the former Pope's funeral mass Thursday, and from tomorrow, Benedict's body will lie in St. Peter's Basilica so the faithful can pay tribute. You can host the best backyard barbecue when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. 
You can do this when you Angie that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. With a land war in Europe, the worst inflation in 40 years and a pandemic that refuses to go away... 2022 was certainly a turbulent time. We take a quick look back at the year that was. In January, the James Webb Space Telescope entered orbit. The telescope has since yielded a series of stunning images of deep space. In February, Russia invaded Ukraine, igniting a bloody conflict now in its 10th month. In March, researchers discovered the wreck of Endurance, the ship from Ernest Shackleton's ill-fated Transantarctic expedition that got underway in 1914. April brought the confirmation of Katanji Brown-Jackson to the United States Supreme Court. In May, a gunman in Uvalde, Texas, killed 19 students and two teachers at Robb Elementary School. It was the third deadliest school shooting in U.S. history. In June, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, effectively criminalizing abortion in much of the nation. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated in July, just two days before that country's parliamentary elections. In August, the FBI conducted a search of Mar-a-Lago, the home of former President Donald Trump. Eighteen documents labeled top secret were found. In September, Britain's Queen Elizabeth II died in Scotland at the age of 96. Her son Charles succeeded her as king. Elon Musk took control of Twitter in October, bringing to the social media giant a brash leadership style along with thousands of layoffs. In November, a projected red wave fizzled as Republicans won a slim majority in the House and Democrats held control of the United States Senate. In December, a suspect was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the deaths of four University of Idaho students. And WNBA star Brittany Griner returned home after a prisoner swap with Russia. She says she'll return to the court this season. We look ahead now to 2023 with some help from our CBS News correspondents around the world. We begin with national security correspondent David Martin. After 10 months of intense combat and a staggering expenditure of ammunition, the war in Ukraine heads into a cold and dark new year. For Ukraine and its president, Volodymyr Zelensky, it is a fight for survival. For Russia and Vladimir Putin, it's a military debacle. He understands that this has been a mess. I don't think he's accepted that he is defeated. 
because the essence of being Putin is never accepting that you've been defeated. Fred Kagan's Institute for the Study of War produces daily maps showing how much ground Russia has been forced to give up since its invasion stalled. Putin is trying to make up for it by unleashing drone and missile strikes against Ukraine's cities. Putin is looking for ways to break Ukraine's will to continue the fight. And most importantly, I think he's focused on trying to break Western support for Ukraine. Which does he have a better chance of breaking? The will of the Western democracies. I think he has very little chance of breaking the will of the Ukrainians in any short period of time. The Biden administration put on a Christmas pageant of support for Zelensky during a whirlwind visit to the nation's capital. The embodiment of his country's fighting spirit. Zelensky thanked the U.S. for the $22 billion in weapons it has already committed and made clear he will be asking for more. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. Ukraine is heading into the dead of winter under a continuing barrage of Russian drone and missile strikes. Destroying the systems to provide heat and light to the Ukrainian people during the coldest, darkest part of the year. Russia is using winter as a weapon. Kagan thinks Ukraine can turn the weapon of winter against the Russians. Right now, the Ukrainians have a window of opportunity. This winter, especially as the ground freezes, if we provide them with the systems they need, the Russian army is still disorganized and generally reeling, and the Ukrainians have an opportunity to regain a lot of territory. How much longer do you expect this war to go on? It can go on for years. That's unlikely, but possible. How long is likely to be determined by how much more territory Zelensky retakes and Putin loses? The art here is helping Putin understand that he's lost this round and it's time to fold this hand. We have to persuade him that this approach, this military approach is done and he cannot other than continue to lose here. He's not there yet and we need to help the Ukrainians get him there as quickly as possible. People used to say I sounded like Barbara Walters, which I thought absurd, of course. First of all, every day I had to go and look at fashion shows. Mm. And then I had to have lunch at Maxime's and drink champagne. Mm. Barbara had such a distinctive voice that, frankly, grated on some, a cultivated Eastern accent. And more to the point, she was the preeminent woman in network news, while I was the new girl at the Today Show, just in from somewhere in the Midwest, uncultivated and unknown. Me? Sound like Barbara Walters? You be the judge. Good morning. At the White House, all the president's men hope last night's news conference turned public opinion. My verdict? Negotiations and Guilty. To Iran. I'd been innocently unaware until half listening to pre-show chatter from the Today control room early one morning. I snapped awake at the sound of her voice. Why is Barbara Walters on the show? I wondered a little defensively until realizing it was a taped playback of me. Barbara loomed very large in my psyche when I was just starting out in the mid-70s. My chair at the Today desk had been hers only weeks before. 
After the show, I retreated to my office, which likewise had been hers. And the phone on my desk, that had been her phone. In her hands, it was magic. The powerful, the fallen, the heroes and villains, she could get anyone on that phone. For me, it mostly delivered a tuna fish sandwich for lunch. But she left me far more than a chair, a desk, and a phone. She left opportunity that hadn't existed before her. And not just for me. Barbara Walters was a trailblazer for a whole generation of women broadcasters. She was a role model before most people even thought women needed one. She arrived at Today in 1961. A writer-researcher dropped into a man's world. The women who appeared regularly were then known as Today Girls, not Barbara. I'm Barbara Walters with Jim Hart. Good morning. With drive, tenacity, and talent, she quickly became the leading woman in broadcast journalism, though admittedly there was scant competition for the title. That was then. You know many of the women in this picture. Twenty-nine of us came together eight years ago at Barbara's invitation to mark her retirement. We represented her legacy, and she made it clear how she wanted to be remembered, as having inspired other young women to go into this business and succeed. They are my legacy, she told us. The lasting impact is the women who have, I hope, followed in my footsteps. That's what I've been thinking about, how all of us followed in Barbara Walters' footsteps, followed in them because she never relinquished the lead in 50 years. Today they call such a person the goat, you know, the greatest of all time, Barbara Walters. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. As you probably recall, Barbara Walters spent many years doing some of her best work at ABC News, where she worked with some other pretty familiar names like correspondent Sam Donaldson and our longtime contributor, Ted Koppel. We decided to ask Ted to help us reminisce. Before the break, you heard Jane's lovely tribute to Barbara Walters. 
It should come as no surprise to you, though, that when three of Barbara's old friends, Jane and Sam Donaldson and Ted Koppel, get together to share some reminiscences that those will have, let's say, a somewhat earthier quality to them. Uh, so, for example, uh, Barbara's competitiveness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 92. I booked President Bush, Governor Clinton, and Ross Perot, the three contestants, for the last broadcast that we had before the election day. I thought I'd booked Ross Perot, but his people called back and said, I'm sorry, you can't do it. I said, why? Why? They said, because Barbara Walters got wind of it and reminded him very forcefully that he had promised her the next big interview he did. Oh, I said to her later, Barbara, I thought we were friends. She said, yes, we're friends, but I needed that interview. I get them all. And she did. I don't know if you guys were trying to get the Monica Lewinsky interview, but I certainly was, was on it, and that was <laughs> not going to happen. I don't want to get too personal, but... Whenever I say I don't want to get too personal, but then you know... <laughs> well, I'm out of here. <laughs> 74 million people watched her interview. I, I think that, that 74 million people would not have watched the Jane Pauley Monica Lewinsky interview. Monica, are you still in love with Bill Clinton? No. Sure? Mm-hmm. Over? Sometimes I have warm feelings, sometimes I'm proud of him still, and sometimes I hate his guts and um, he makes me sick. Barbara came up through the school of hard knocks. When she began on the Today Show, things could hardly have been much tougher for her. Later, when I left the club, the doorman asked if I wasn't taking off early. Well, I replied very grandly, after all, I'm not a bunny. I'm a reporter for the National Broadcasting Company. I enjoyed seeing you as a bunny. Thank you. I did. We have a station break now. Uh, I did an interview with Barbara way back in 2004. Here's how she remembered those uh, early days well, on the Today Show. High points. When I was first on the Today Show, I was hired as a writer. I was only allowed to write for the women. The big breakthrough was when I could write for the men. Barbara Walters is in our Detroit studio with two guests this morning. Uh, there was a man named Frank McGee. I was not allowed to ask a hard news question until he had already asked three. Barbara did extremely well on the Today Show, so well, in fact, that ABC came and offered her the job of anchor of the evening news at a million dollars a year. Now, she would have been the, the first woman in the United States to anchor a national news broadcast, and that million-dollar salary made her the highest-paid person on network television news at that time. Closer to home, I have a new colleague to welcome. Barbara. Thank you, Harry. What's Having next? said all of that, she was paired with the late Harry Reasoner, and she and Harry did not hit it off at all. It was a disaster. The decision was to welcome you as I would any respected and competent colleague of any sex by noting that I've kept time on your stories and mine tonight. You owe me four minutes. <laughs> I have to shoot an arrow into Barbara Walters. Ah, uh, you mean you're making her fall in love with Harry Reasoner? No. Harry just paid me to shoot her. Just didn't care. Stay Thank away. You. So following the disaster of the Barbara Walters-Harry Reasoner co-anchorship, Barbara nevertheless was determined to show that she was 
as tough a reporter as anybody else, and she came on this presidential trip, Jimmy Carter's trip around the world, uh, one stop of which was in Tehran. There was a big dinner dance for the Carters and many, many important people, but not Ted and Sam. We were on the outside waiting at the broadcast station for news. Barbara was invited, and Barbara danced with the Shah. I'm quoting. Your Majesty. In a man's life, women count only if they are beautiful, graceful, and know how to stay feminine. You may be equal in the eyes of the law, but not in ability. You have never produced a Michelangelo or a Bach or even a great cook. You are schemers, you are evil, all of you. Oh, Your Majesty, you said all these things. Not with the same words. So you don't feel that women are are, in that sense, equal, that they have the same intelligence or ability. Not so far. Maybe you will become in the future. And, and we may as well continue the trip because we went on to New Delhi, where she interviewed the then Prime Minister, a fellow by the name of Maraji Desai, who had a somewhat unusual health habit. If you drink your own urine for two days, third day you will find the urine is without any color or any smell or any taste. It's pure water like that. At dinner that night, we ordered a bottle of wine. And someone, maybe it was you, Ted, poured the wine and said, it's not a great urine, but it's an adequate urine. And Barbara chimed in said, for a urine, it travels quite well. And I said, well, for a urine, the aroma leaves something to be desired, but it'll do. I love Barbara for it. If you and I were going to make fools of ourselves, she wasn't going to be left behind. And then she said, can I, can I use that on the air? And Sam and I, as I recall, were uh, unanimous and adamant in saying, Barbara, no way. It's a, it's a dinner time news program and you cannot use it. And Barbara did not use it. P.S. A few weeks later, a fellow by the name of Dan Rather went out to New Delhi, interviewed Maraji Desai, and what do you think headlined 60 Minutes that week? You got it, the urine story. Desai indulges in what to most people, West and East, is a repugnant habit. He drinks his own urine. Barbara never complained, not once. For so many years, it was really unacceptable the notion that a woman could succeed in the same way that a man had in broadcast news. You've lived a good part of that, but just reflect a little on, on Barbara's role in fighting those battles and fight them she did. I had the privilege of interviewing Barbara and her daughter. Uh, it was Barbara's decision uh, uh, to um, to choose me to do a sensitive story. Uh, she and her daughter had had a fraught relationship. At the time of the story, they were great. She looked at me during that interview and remarked that I was the one that had it all. I had a career, I had three children, I had you know a, a family and a career. And I think she felt uh, that as a, a mother, she struggled and, and failed sometimes. You know, that was the cost of the career that she invented. Uh, she did things no woman was supposed to be able to do. But uh, being a mother and having her career would wait uh, for a different generation. 
are there times when I look at people, I have a friend, for example, who's got four children and 11 grandchildren, and we take walks through the parks, and she says, look at your life. And I say, yeah, I've got all those pictures on the wall that are turning yellow. And I said, look at your life. I mean, how rich you are. Four children, 11 grandchildren, that's, that's richness. But I don't have that. I didn't take that path. I don't know whether I could have taken that path. That was back in 2004. Barbara was just about to turn 75, and this was supposed to be her retirement interview. Well, fact of the matter is that some years earlier, back in 97, she had launched a little lifeboat of her own. It was a program by women for women called The View. Barbara was the producer, the creator, and of course, the star of that program. And it became, over the years, and remains to this day, one of the most influential programs on television, created by one of the most important people ever to appear on television, Barbara Walters. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Robert Costa. A new year, a new Congress, and... We have fired Nancy Pelosi. Divided government. Most people have never heard of us. They're like... Really, there's a group that Democrats and Republicans actually get together and sit down. That's true. They haven't heard of you. In the splintered GOP-held house, Republican Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania and Democrat Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey still believe good things can happen. Is it realistic that you can actually solve the problems next year? Yes, and we have no choice. We have to. But these moderates who lead the Problem Solvers Caucus could face challenges from problem makers. How do you get attention if you're competing against a bomb thrower? Well, we get things done, right? So when the infrastructure bill got across the finish line, that was us, along with our Senate colleagues, negotiating for months. You know, there would have been nothing versus getting something done. But before any deals, many Republicans say it's time for investigations. I want to be clear. This is an investigation of Joe Biden. And that's where the committee will focus in this next Congress. It seems like you have a bucket of cold water to pour upon any hope that this is going to be a cheery Congress. It's cheery if you enjoy dysfunction. (laughs) New York Times magazine writer Robert Draper is the author of Weapons of Mass Delusion. For those people who would like to see things actually get done, I, I don't think that this Republican conference is currently equipped for that. They're, they're, they're way too fractious, and I think the loudest voices in the room 
are the ones who uh, are far more interested in politics as performance art than they are in the nitty-gritty of governance. There is a shadow that falls over Capitol Hill still from January 6. You have so many Republicans in the House who were trying to overturn the election, and they're still there. No, that's correct. And there are not only Republicans who are still there who voted to uh, not to certify the election, but there are Democrats who well remember that. And some Republicans say impeachment is on the table. When we turn on the TV in the spring, will it just be investigation after investigation, hearing after hearing about the Biden family and the Biden administration? In the immediate, yes. I think that's the low-hanging fruit that uh, Republicans, for the most part, can agree on, that it will be the party of payback when they take back the majority. History, however, shows presidents can push back and never forget that they hold that veto pen. This is Elizabeth Palmer. North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un upped the ante in Asia this past year by test-firing missile after missile after missile. Over 60 of them. One flew over Japan and set the warning sirens wailing. So what will Kim do for an encore in 2023? Satellite pictures suggest He's planning a nuclear test to expand his already fearsome military machine. There is a considered opinion that they're continuing the development of miniaturized nuclear devices, nuclear warheads. Joe Bermudez is an analyst with the Center for Strategic and International Studies. What's the end game here? <laughs> survival of the Kim regime and uh, the survival of North Korea. And in that order, I would say. For help in reining in North Korea, Joe Biden appealed to China's President Xi Jinping when they met in Bali in November. She made no promises. But America's president signaled that the meeting had dialed down U.S.-China hostilities. We're going to compete vigorously, but I'm not looking for conflict. I'm looking to manage this competition responsibly. In the new year, Secretary of State Antony Blinken will visit China for more talks that will focus in part on Taiwan. America's short-term goal is to dissuade Beijing from invading the island it claims as its own. But it's China's long-term goals to wield a lot more power clear across the region that has its neighbors, America's allies, worried. Joint military exercises between American, Japanese, and South Korean forces will continue in 2023, and the arsenal is only going to grow. Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida just announced the country's biggest military buildup since World War II. As for China, it's already at war against COVID-19, which exploded at the end of the year after the government abruptly ended mass testing and mandatory quarantines. Now much, from its own stability to the world's supply chains, rests on how well it treats the sick and speed vaccinates the elderly. As 2023 dawns, it's just too early to tell. We start off the year 2023 with our January issue of The Book Report. A look back at some of the best reads of the year gone by. 
along with some coming attractions from critic Ron Charles of The Washington Post. This is The Book Report. Before we say goodbye to 2022, I want to look back and tell you about five of my favorite novels of the year. Barbara Kingsolver has taken Charles Dickens' classic novel, David Copperfield, and transformed it into her own modern-day masterpiece. Demon Copperhead is about a boy in Appalachia trying to make his way in the world while struggling with foster care and opioid addiction. It's as funny as it is heartbreaking, and it's got a voice that leaps right off the page. Young Mungo by Scottish writer Douglas Stewart is a gripping story about a sweet young man falling in love for the first time in a violently homophobic community. To toughen him up, his alcoholic mother sends him on a camping trip with a couple of guys from her AA meeting. Unfortunately, they are not at all what they seem, and you'll wish you could protect young Mungo from what's ahead. For some sharp cultural satire, turn to The Latecomer by Jean Hanf Korolitz. This is a story about wealthy triplets who hate each other and then discover a secret about their father that reorders their lives. Korlitz uses this witty family epic to explore modern art, liberal education, political correctness, and American spirituality while delivering one surprise after another. In 2021, Abdurazak Gura won the Nobel Prize, and this year he's released a new novel in the United States called Afterlives. Set in the early 20th century, it turns the old story of colonization on its head by pushing the Europeans into the background and letting us follow the intersecting lives of villagers in East Africa as they struggle to survive and thrive. Olga Dies Dreaming by Xochitl Gonzalez is a romantic comedy about a very successful wedding planner who can't find a partner herself. Meanwhile, her brother is a popular congressman, a champion for Puerto Rico, who may be slipping into a compromising position. This is a novel about family secrets, national schemes, racial politics, and of course, love. That's it for The Book Report. I'm Ron Charles. I'm Jane Pauley. We wish you a very happy new year. And please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.